Welcome to Illuminate Greatness, the podcast that explores the latest trends in marketing and public relations and highlights the most positively powerful brands and people who are making a difference in our world. And now your host, entrepreneur, marketing and public relations expert, advocate, spiritual explorer, mother, and founder of Olive Creative Strategies, Jennifer Borba von Stauffenberg. Welcome to Illuminate Greatness. I'm so happy to be sitting here today with Tanya Mantooth. She is the legendary CEO and artistic director of San Diego International Film Festival. She's a 10-time regional Emmy Award winner. That's so amazing. Over 60 international Telly and Addy Awards and perhaps the most highly regarded film producer based in San Diego. She began her career as an executive producer when she became the director of acquisitions for CRM Films. She co-founded and was president of the Dakota Group. She has produced national TV campaigns and award-winning documentaries for Fortune 500 companies and so much more. Tanya, I'm so happy to see you today. Thanks for coming down. Thanks for having me, Jen. Of course. So I want to talk about the San Diego International Film Festival because this is such a huge undertaking. What you guys produce is absolutely bonkers. And I had the pleasure of working with you a few years ago, and I could not even believe how incredibly graceful you all are in the face of such a stressful balancing (laughs) act. It's absolutely insane. There's things, so many characters and cast literally, and events. It's just insane. So tell me a little bit about how in the beginning, like what what made you want to take over? It was 2012. Yep. And so going strong for eight years. Yep. It's incredible. What inspired you to take on this massive project? Yeah, in 2012, the folks that had started it, they really just wanted to walk away and kind of move on to other things. And so it was three colleagues and I that were approached, Kevin Leap, Dale Strack, Patty Judd, to take it over. And when we looked at it, we went, you know, we hated to see San Diego lose their film festival. But, you know, I thought, what what an amazing opportunity if you look at a nonprofit, not only to support art and cinema, but also to be an economic driver for a city. Because if you look at the business model of a film festival, it absolutely can be done. You know, if done right, it absolutely is that. Incredible. Well, I know from witnessing it, it is huge. I mean, you take over large part of an area of downtown. Is it still downtown? Yeah, downtown and up in La Jolla. Perfect. And just to see it alive, it's pretty incredible. So how do you manage your stress levels under all that pressure and all the moving parts? Like, what is your secret to being able to do this? Because how many films do you show? You know what? We choose between 110 and 120, but we curate that from last year, we had almost 3,500 films submitted to us. Wow. How do you find the time to, like, what's the process of even getting to 120 films from 3,500? Like, who's watching these films? Well, that's a good question. So actually, (laughs) we just opened submissions uh, about three weeks ago for this next year. So it takes that long a time. So what we do is we have about 200 people that apply to be screeners. Mm -hmm. So we put them through an application process based on their background, based on their knowledge of film. We call it down to about 60 people. So 60 people 
we're watching starting in January. And then everything's viewed twice. It's rated. It moves up on the tier system or falls off depending on how well it's doing. And then in the meantime, my programming team and I are looking at what's going on in all the film festivals. So we're requesting films out of that. So we're looking at what's being submitted to us, and then we're looking at what's kind of hot on the festival circuit. So it really takes from January all the way through July. We close early July, and then from July to August, we are now culling down. Wow. So, so it, what it is we a huge actually process. see is the tip of the iceberg. Yeah. Underneath it is just this heaping, massive undertaking. That's so insane. It's massive, yeah. So how do you do that? So you take you have this huge undertaking of reviewing all these films and selecting them, but then you also have to plan for the coming event. Right. What are the pieces that go into illuminating such a powerful project? Well, you know, you've got all the films and all the filmmakers, you know, because last year we had about 200 filmmakers come in from around the world to be there for their Q&As. And that's the part that makes us so excited. It's like, you know, these filmmakers have used some of their, you know, their last money, then they fly here, then they're sitting in an audience and they cannot wait. I mean, you know, we've had, you know, like last year we had filmmakers from Poland, from Russia, from Mongolia fly out for their premieres. So So incredible. And what I am so blown away by too in the film industry is that in your mind, it's like, oh, they filmed it this year and they brought it to production and now it's here. But sometimes it's like a 10-year commitment or more, especially with some of these independent films and just the traveling that they do and the interviews that they do and the all of the pieces that go into it. It's just incredible. I recently had the makers of The Portal visited San Diego and I had a chance to talk with them and just learning about the process um, because that's just not my world. It's fascinating. So tell me about, because Illuminate Greatness is a lot about marketing and public relations. How does marketing play into what you do? Is it a big piece of it or does it work differently for this because you are bringing in so many different professionals how do how do you guys market your events you know it, actually marketing and pr is so essential to to our growth and that was one of the things i was really committed to early on mm-hmm. and i think that's where some film festivals you know they don't because i come from a more of a marketing background i knew how essential it was i knew how important it was to have pr a pr team and i do have i have a pr team in la and also san diego because we have to be able to market and reach the entertainment industry mm-hmm. for them to look at us because building the reputation not only from an attendee standpoint but also from an industry standpoint totally. so absolutely the marketing like we have media partners with all tv all print all publications and so that's key it's well, I key think that's what makes you so interesting for this role because you have the marketing background but you're also a producer and so you really bring both parts and it is so unique to have somebody with your level of experience and skills in San Diego I I love to see people who recognize that you can be in San Diego and still live out a passion for film or some of the thing fashion or the things that we typically associate with like New York and the LA and LA Mm -hmm. yeah well and thank you for saying that that means a lot I mean it's you know it's been a real passion for us you know to take over the festival but really to kind of 
lead it in terms of being a platform for really important social issues. And I think we're at a time where, you know, we're so divided. And, you know, we really believe that film allows us to to come together. It's like, you know, a film can allow you to actually generate empathy. So you can put yourself in someone else's shoes, walk out of a theater with a different perspective. It's so true. The education piece and the depth that you guys can go into that you can't and any other platform right. is just really profound. I think also just it creates an opportunity for people to understand the story and the richness and, like you said, the perspective in a way that we would never be able to respect a different culture from what we're seeing in the news maybe right. or in other platforms. It, it, and it, it's interesting because I had a, a very close friend of mine who was very kind of black and white on the refugee issue. And he was at the festival last year and I saw him walk into one of our f- documentaries on refugees. And I thought, well, this would be interesting to see mm-hmm. what he comes in. You know, he walked out, made a beeline for me and he came over to me and he said, I'll never see the refugee issue the way I did bef- before. Totally. And I said, why? And he, and he said, because, and what he described was, well, I saw the human face of it. Mm. So it was interesting. It's just, and it's not about a right and wrong. It's not about a left and right. It's none of that. It's really about putting an issue on the table and saying, what what can we find in common? Because mm-hmm. as we both have discussed, every issue is complicated. You know, it's to solve those, it's not going to be one side of the aisle or the other side of the aisle. We have to come together and find solutions together. So powerful to remember that it's not just about the red carpet right. and celebrities, that these are storytelling pieces that really have the potential to change the world. Right. Wow, it's so cool. Like, What are some of the projects that you have been most inspired by recently that people should have on their radar that you feel like are the big game changers? Do you mean in terms of the festival? Well, in the festival in general, like as a you know film connoisseur, are there any that are like that made such a huge impact on you that you feel like everyone should see? Well, you know, it's interesting. It's an interesting debate right now with theatrical versus streaming. Mm-hmm. Because right. how is that impacting what you guys are doing? Well, you know, it's it's uh, you know, it really isn't. Like we had the West Coast premiere of Irishman, oh, which was wow. Netflix. So it premiered in New York, and then we followed New York with it. We also had Marriage Story, which was our closing night film, also Netflix. So for us, all it does is it, it just gives us more film to work with. We also partner with HBO. And so we've been able to have, we had the premiere of Big Little Lies when it first came out. That's incredible. We had the premiere of Barry. They set wow. the talent down. And and also Sharp Objects with Amy Adams. And so we partner as a way, because they see festivals also as a way to get the word out to influencers. And they see, you know, festival goers as people who are generally, you know, interested in new experiences, definitely, um, you know, have influence in their spheres of cir- your circles of, sp- of influence. For us, it just opens up the platforms. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you know, because a festival means you go sit in a theater. Mm-hmm. And streaming is all about, you know, sitting at home. Totally. So we, you know, we always want to remind people, hey, there's power in sitting in a theater, having a conversation. I've heard from a lot of filmmakers that they worry about the integrity of their craft on somebody's laptop or yeah. the impact of the message. I know when I met with the portal, they had they gave me access to the film to watch on my laptop. Mm-hmm. And it I got it and it impacted me in a really profound way. And then I finally saw it in the theater. Yeah. And they were like, oh, we really 
wish you could have seen yeah. it in the theater because it doesn't feel the same way when and right. I, I was I thought it was beautiful no matter what but it was the first time I really thought about that like wow you know for a filmmaker to know that people are watching their films on their cell phone exactly <laughs> it can be a little devastating when you yeah. put so much into the craft and the details and the angles and yep. People are now, you know, on airplanes all across the world. <laughs> watching Little tiny, on tiny screens. screens. So interesting. So from the film production perspective and your work there, what are some of the projects that you're most proud of? You know, I, I've, I've had the great fortune of working on big ad campaigns, you know, working with a lot of ad agencies, doing documentaries. But I actually, it was a, a project that I actually did with my brother. And, you know, he's been a big advocate for firefighters and specifically firefighters and carbon monoxide poisoning and how that really is detrimental to their health. And so he brought me in and said, listen, I want to, I want to tell some of these stories. So, you know, we did a story together and it's done in kind of a short documentary style. And it, it meant a lot just because the story was impactful, uh, firefighters and what they're up against and the health. And I'll, then the chance for me to get a chance to work with my brother, we both won an Emmy with it. And so wow. that was, that was nice. But working, so working with my brother was, it was fun. It was great to collaborate. That's so cool. Yeah. I love the sibling partnerships, Billie Eilish and her brother this year. Oh, yeah. The Grammys. yeah. It was just so it was tender cute. and sweet the yeah. way that they were reacting. It's like you could see that moment of like them conspiring on a dream. Right. And so I'm sure that that was really special for you to share that with your brother as well. It was. And also I'm the little sister. He's the older brother. He directed, I produced it. So I got to tell him, what okay, to we're, we're, what to do. Yeah. It's <laughs> like, so okay, we're great. not doing that. No, that's over budget. No, we're not happy. Okay. We're done now. So I got to, yeah. Awesome. Are you kind of still fun. producing films now? You know, I have a couple clients I do some projects okay. for, but um, for the most part, uh, the festival is, year round. We do projects all year long. So it, it takes my time. So video production is becoming such an important piece in marketing in general. How do you think that is informing like all campaigns and what do you think people should be looking for as they're planning or in the trenches of doing their campaigns for this coming year? Well, what I see and what I've been seeing and, and I really love is that it's really shifting away from selling and more storytelling. It's exactly what we talk about, even from a PR side. I explain to our clients all the time, you really need to be identifying your values and then yep. sharing stories that tell people what your values are right. so they can align if they align. And any time Gen Z or millennials feel like they're sold to, they're walking away. Exactly. And so you have to give them the opportunity to identify that you're somebody that they want to be aligned with. And right. it's so crazy that people aren't getting that completely. Well, you know what? I mean, it's it's decades and decades of, you know, we have to sell, 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 and we got to, you know, run all the traditional things. And so, but I am seeing more and more people do it. Mm -hmm. And and it is, it's essential because, you know, you've got, you've got generations now, the millennials, but now you've got you know the next generation behind it and they too you know they really control what they what they look at totally. and and what they buy absolutely yeah somebody asked me the other day about gen z and how we do pr for gen z and i said 
<laughs> to be honest, we haven't figured it out. I don't know. I know. You have to do video because that's the only way that they're consuming information. And I don't really know where media relations fits into that. Yeah. And so as an agency, we just actually, before you walked in, we were having a meeting and discussing that. So if our clients are, are we, how are we actually reaching our target audiences? And when is media relations not the answer? And we need to be suggesting other ideas. Right. And the other ideas always revolve around video production, but it's cost prohibitive still for a lot of people to do it right. And that is a big challenge I think that the marketing industry is going to face in general. Coming up next is how does a small brand compete right. with the big guys when video production is so expensive? Do you have any recommendations on what people can do to create the best quality but on a lower budget? You know what? That's tough, and that's always been always been the challenge. Because as a producer, I would say, you know, listen, there's there is absolutely, you know, when you've got the the quality, you know, it's easier for you to tell the story. So if well, it, and if I it notice feels, with video, it's like the one area you get what you pay for. You do, unless yeah. you know somebody who is going to film school and who's like somebody who just hasn't right. entered in the profession yep. and doesn't quite know their value yet. <laughs> it's, it's very expensive. It is very expensive. But it's interesting, you're talking about Gen Z. Like, I have a 19-year-old son, and I think, you know, sometimes it's, you know, they're they're just living in a very, very different world. So he doesn't watch cable, doesn't read the newspaper. He does stay up on current affairs, and I'm thinking, I'm not even sure how he does. But it is, it's really interesting, you know, how they get their news and how... How, how do you capture them? And one day the radio was on and he was he was amazed that there was like talking in between the songs because normally we'll play Pandora, you know? <laughs> and I'm like, and, and he goes, that's interesting. And I thought, well, that's very interesting. Well, I think radio is actually making a comeback. Uh, absolutely. And I think that it's because of podcasts. So the young generation doesn't realize that talk radio was like yeah. part of life. <laughs> and so everybody's making like radio talk shows, which yeah. are podcasts like podcast. what we're doing right now yeah. and so it's so interesting I recently interviewed somebody who is a DJ on a local radio station for a morning show Meryl Kleemout and she said the same thing that when she got the gig she was like oh cool and then all of a sudden she was like oh this is a really big deal <laughs> <laughs> she didn't realize people listened still and all these people like there is such a loyal following yeah. and we're noticing even with our clients that Radio coverage mentions on morning shows sell tickets and get tons of traction, which it didn't for a long time. I mean, there was a period of time where I'm not sure we even pitched radio that often because there just wasn't a demand for it. Right. So I'm always so excited to see that things cycle back. And I'm just curious to see how long this phase will last and when we'll get back to some of the things that have maybe cycled out. Well, and I love the fact that people have longer attention spans. Totally. Yeah. Like, because it was remember, getting pretty short. It was like 30 seconds 30 about seconds. three years ago. Yeah. And now people are like demanding 10 minutes, 20 yeah. minutes. And you can have a podcast that's an hour and people yeah. actually listen to the whole thing, yeah. which is cool. So, what are you up to right now? And like, what are you working on today? You know what? Right now we've got our big uh, fundraiser that's coming up, but we're also kicking off our Film Insider series. And that's a monthly screening series that I love because it gives us a chance to pull a film either out of the festivals or right before it goes out in theatrical release. We'll bring a filmmaker in. So it's just one screening a month with a little cocktail party. And then you know we get a chance to kind of get a taste of the festival, but all year long. That but we're also, we're also kicking off our education program, which... 
I'm super excited about because that allows us to go out to all the high schools in San Diego County. And that's our way of kind of giving back and being able to kind of extend our mission out of the festival and into the schools. Amazing. What do young aspiring filmmakers, like where do they go in San Diego? Like where are the opportunities for them to exercise their skills at a young age? Are there programs that exist that you You recommend? You know, all the universities have great film programs. Absolutely. So when they, once they get out of film school, then where they go next, it is tough because if you want to be in the industry, depending on what level you want to be at, you really need to go to a major hub. You need to go to an L.A., you need to go to New York, depending on what you want to do. So, you know, there's a pretty strong production community here. But really, if you if you want to go in as a director, you really should spend some time up in L.A. and network. Yeah. I know. (laughs) Do you have any new aspirations in the works right now that are new this year? Yeah. I'm I'm, sure. How do you do this? 3,500 films (laughs) drizzling it down to 120. You have this fundraising Oscar party coming up. You have the actual film festival. You have your insider viewing nights. Like it's mind blowing your partnerships (laughs) with the schools. This is what I'm talking about like earlier. I just don't understand how you manage so much. It's just really remarkable. And the thing that people listening don't know is you also handle it with such grace and you're also out supporting other arts programs and other things in the community. It's just (laughs) incredible how many of you are there. (laughs) Well, I have an amazing team that I work with and they're incredibly passionate and dedicated. And I, you know, I can't, I can't do it all alone. I mean, it's a huge organization that, that support that. So those aspirations, anything that you can share with us? So, you know, this year, you know, one of the things I really am passionate about, and I have a, I have a new board chair, and she has spent most of her life in women's empowerment issues. And that's something that we, we really want to do together. And that is, you know, find ways, especially for funding for, mm-hmm. for film female filmmakers. You know, they have the hardest time raising funds for independent film, even though it shows that they have a higher ROI. So they, they just have a hard time getting to the table. So that's one of the things we want to do. It's like, how can we support women to be able to tell more stories? And so that the funding isn't the big obstacle. So that's something that that we're doing. And she's very passionate, so am I, on the issue of sex trafficking. You know, that's an issue. I started programming films on that topic a number of years ago when people really weren't talking about it. She, my board chair, also sits on a, a board at the UN. I'll be joining her at the end of March talking about a women's empowerment initiative and and, uh, how we can support that and how we can evolve the UN to really tie in their 17 sustainable goals and which really match, match our mission. Wonderful. That sounds incredible. And I just am still, I'm so insulated in the PR and marketing industry. It is female dominated. And so it's not something that I face on a regular basis. And so it's just still unbelievable to me when I hear the stories about industries like in film that budget would be the issue. It's just, it's crazy. And I'm just so grateful yeah. that there's people like you and all the other badass women who are <laughs> taking a stand and making this change. It's just really incredible. So everybody and somebody like you who is doing so many things always has a vision. This 
I can't even imagine that you have your hands on so many things that this is like the ultimate goal. Like what, what is your ultimate vision for yourself? Is there something that is still out there that you're chasing after? You know, I I think one of the things that I've always done is as opportunities have opened up, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm not afraid to pursue them. I never thought I would be you know, heading up a film festival. That was not on my radar. But as things get so and I have a question about that. Because you talk about opportunity and then this like how do people who are listening know when they see an opportunity that wasn't on their radar? Like what was the thing that made you go for it? What what was that little moment that said I can do this. I'm going for it. Well, you know, the, there were, like I said, there were four of us, and we all decided it was what we wanted to take on. And I took on the role of the artistic mm-hmm. director, having been a producer. But it was really over the first couple of years that I started to see, wow, this is like a platform for getting a message out. This I is amazing. So and it was like, okay, this isn't just about the parties and the red carpets and celebrities and all that, but this is about being able to say, wow, there's an ish- global issue that even though our world is so big and we have access to everything, we sometimes are live in a bubble. It's so it's like, this is a platform that we can use really to give people a new perspective and, and really help people understand, you know, it's like there's so many people say there's so much wrong in the world today, and there is. But honestly, there's also so much right totally. in the world because there are filmmakers around the world that are telling stories and they're storytellers and they're bringing to light really important issues for us to come together and talk about. So that took a couple of years, and when that clicked for me, mm-hmm. That was like, well, wait a second, this has meaning for me professionally in that, you know, I'm a producer, so, you know, I'm excited by putting big events together. But, you know, personally, there are social issues that I can I can touch and I can help people become more educated on. Yeah. So what is that vision? So, you know what, it's to stay open to, you know, to stay open to any opportunity because you never know, you know, people, people always say, I don't know what path to go down. And I'm, I'm like, if you don't know what path, any path is the right path mm-hmm. because it'll eventually open up a new door. I think that's really profound, actually. And I think some people are like, what is it? Perfection causes paralysis. Right. They're looking for the right thing instead yeah. of just also trying things and experiencing what feels good and and what works. What is the most meaningful advice that you've received in your career? Hmm, That's a good question. You know, one of the things that that I say to myself and and I say to my team a lot, and I had a mentor of mine tell me this a long time ago, and that was, if it was easy, everyone would do it. And I love and hate that phrase because <laughs> it's, so it's like true. it's so true, and I and I have to remind myself and the team. It's like anything that's big, you know, it, you're gonna have obstacles, and that's where you go. You know, it's it's easy to question yourself. It's like, oh, I've got wow, there's there's more obstacles in forward movement. Well, maybe I shouldn't be doing this. Well, maybe I'm not doing it right. Well, maybe you know somebody else should be doing it. And that's when you have to say, no, wait a second. You know, there are obstacles. You you know, it's not easy. Mm-hmm. And so you just keep moving forward and then you have to go, okay, what what did I achieve today? Like what moved forward? And you have to constantly balance because it's really easy to focus on the things that aren't working. It's so true. I was just having a conversation this week about that, that, you know, as a business owner and a mom of two, I often finish up the day. And when somebody says, how was your day? It's like, uh. <laughs> 
I don't know. I don't even know where to start. And so my husband and I have this thing lately where he'll say, what were the great things that happened today to prompt the answer to drive in a certain direction? It's like, yeah, there were two hard things, but there were like 10 amazing things. And it would be such a more enjoyable life if we could focus on the positive or expect the best. Yeah. How often do we go into something and go, oh, well, this could go wrong versus what would be the most spectacular thing that could happen? I always tell people the story of when I delivered my last son, I actually burst into laughter and that's how I delivered him. And you go into delivering a baby with like every worst case scenario that could happen, but no one ever suggested that I could have a joyful delivery. And it was such a great learning for me to go, whoa, What's the best thing that could happen? What is the most amazing thing that could happen? And so here on our team, we often ask each other that question. What's the most amazing thing that could happen? Let's try for that. Yeah. Instead of like, what if it doesn't work? That's so disempowering. It it is. It is. I mean, you know, you've got to move past the negative and you have to stop and remember to be grateful because every day there's great things that happen. And I always say to the team, you know, okay, you know, well, what, 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 what good happened? And everyone's like, I didn't get to that. Or I didn't. And I'm like, Hey, listen, there's plenty of things that fall through the cracks. We can't focus on that. Totally. And Often on the day when the most magnificent things happen, everything else does slip through the cracks Yeah, because your focus is on this extraordinary thing that changes everything. Right. So you touched on lots of beautiful nuggets of advice. Is there anything that you would share with anybody listening who aspires to be in the film industry that you've learned along the way? You know, as a filmmaker, I would say, you know, it's, it's all about... I mean, two parts. One, understand your craft inside and out. So understand every department, you know, whether you want to be a director or producer, under, fully understand every single department. That will educate you and that will give you the, the confidence on a set to, to run the show. Mm-hmm. The, the other part is, is it's, it's also about storytelling. So it's opening yourself up to look at stories. So, and what I always say, and one thing I learned from my mom was, you know, learn to ask questions, but then learn to listen to the answers. Yes. And that will help you with your storytelling because everybody's got a story. And and it's not that you you're gonna tell everybody's story, but you may tell a little bit from everybody. Mm-hmm. So the people you think don't have a story sometimes have the most interesting story. So take the time when you meet someone to ask questions and listen, and that will help you refine yourself as a storyteller. So when you go down, when you sit down to tell a story or produce it or direct it or write it, whatever you're gonna do or star in it, you know what, you'll pull from that of all the people you took the time to talk to. Mm-hmm. So powerful. Thank you so much for sharing Thank that. You, Thank you so much for all you do, Aww. not just for your industry, but for our community. I think we are so fortunate to have you championing such an important festival for our city. It's good for our economy. It's good for our creative community. It's good for business it's all around. So thank you for your time. And, thank you. And I'm just so grateful to have you in my life. Thank you. Interested in receiving free marketing and public relations resources? Visit IlluminateGreatness.com and subscribe to our newsletter to receive valuable weekly content that will inspire you and help you grow your business. That's IlluminateGreatness.com. 
Thank you for listening to the Illuminate Greatness podcast brought to you by Olive Creative Strategies.